1: Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs>
2: What is up everybody? Welcome in to this special edition of Big Drive Energy brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host Spencer at Big Drive Spence on Twitter, here with my co-host and brother as always at Big Drive Mitch on Twitter, and we have a special guest for you guys today. Um as we told you on the last podcast, we got to go to TPC Colorado this past weekend and enjoy the Corn Ferry Tour on Sunday. It was a great playoff. It's a great venue. It was the first time I'd ever been up there. Mitchell's got to play it before. So I definitely want to play it now, After, especially after seeing it and seeing how amazing the golf course is, the property, everything up there in Berthid. But we have um, assistant professional Ryan Shively on with us. And Ryan's actually a guy that I went to school with at UCCS. So Ryan, thanks for joining us, man.
0: Thanks for having me, boys. It's awesome to be here. Oh, yeah. Love it.
2: He is uh, currently rocking the 773 hat, and I couldn't figure out what that was until I realized that that was the yardage of the 13th hole played from the tips there out there at TPC Colorado. Um, so, Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, your your job at TPC Colorado and what it's like to work at um, now not now the newest course in Colorado, but the second newest course and kind of starting from from scratch essentially. Um, what you guys did member wise and all that kind of stuff.
0: Sure. <clears throat> yeah, it's been great. You know, I've, I've been in the TPC network for, gosh, probably six or seven years now. And my third property uh, that I've worked at, but it's been awesome to kind of be a part of this from the ground up. Like you said, it's, um, it's, it's a very fast growing club. It's semi-private. So we've got close to 500 members now. Um, you know, we try to make it as much of a private atmosphere as we can for them. We've got plenty of member events and uh, usual member guests, member members, club championships, inter club trips in the winter, things like that. Um, you know, we offer a non-member play as well, kind of on a limited basis, but it's been awesome to be a part of, you know, I didn't come right from the very beginning. I, I came maybe a year and a half ago, so they were maybe a year and a half in at that point, but uh, to see the course mature and, uh, you know, turn into what is a championship venue with the Corn Ferry Tour has is, is been really cool to be a part of. And, uh, you know, membership's great. We've got, seems like there's a new feature to the club opening every six months. Uh, I got three restaurants, members only locker rooms, a gym on the way. Cool, open—you um, know, eighteen holes of championship golf, a pretty expansive practice facility. So uh, there's a lot to offer here, and it's, I think, been one of the quicker growing clubs uh, that Colorado has seen from, semi-private basis in recent memory. So it's been it's been really cool to kind of be here from, what I guess what what was close to the beginning, and looks like it's got a full head of steam heading into. Uh, Dude, and that's what I, I was going to say.
1: That's so badass. But I played there two years ago, and. It wasn't necessarily even a knock on it. I was like, I just know it's a new prop. You could tell it was a new golf course. Right. It hadn't completely matured. And I think that's what's going to be so cool is it's already such a great track. But just to see some some growth out there and maturity and maybe some more trees here and there and stuff like that. Exactly. It, it's going to be such a cool. I mean, it's already an amazing track, but that's exactly what I told Spencer. Is I was like, you can tell
0: it's new, but give it 10, 15, 20 years and it's going to be so freaking sick out there. Well, and I think that's something you see with the course. I mean, being a, a Lynx style design, you know, it this takes time to mature. You know, so the greens are still pretty firm. You know, they're not going to break too much now, but give it another three, five, ten years, and they'll be they'll be super experienced and they'll be undulating with the best of them. So, you know, you got uh, plenty of native grass areas where it looks fully grown but it's still pretty wispy you can still probably find your ball and even when it's fully grown give it another 10 years and you will not even want to try to go in there you know you'll have rattlesnakes and other other kind of live rodents and they're just crawling around making it home so the the more time we give it the more you know the more it will kind of mature and turn into an an even tougher test than it already is now i think they had the rough close to five or six inches for the tournament this week so um they'll be cutting that down to two and a half now that we're finished just for the the sake of for the sake of seven hour rounds you know but um it's uh it's uh, yeah, it'll take some time to mature, but it's already one of the best in the state, I think. So.
2: Yeah. I think the thing that I'm most stoked about in this, this is kind of like what our podcast is about really is just cultivating Colorado golf coach culture, because it really is great, but it doesn't get the love it deserves because of the lack. I think personally, the lack of, ability to host professional events and like serious professional events, like cherry Hills had the BMW a couple of years ago. It's kind of a one-off and we used to have the international here back when we were all kind of kids, um, at castle pines and now it's gone. So I feel like nobody gets to really see Colorado golf courses. And that's why I'm so stoked that TPC Colorado's around because there's a corn fairy event now every year. And, you know, I don't know the inner workings of the PGA tour and the champions tour and things like that, but it, it's, it's a, a very good venue to host an event and it it expands their market to Colorado, which, I mean, we saw, we all saw the crowd. We were standing on 16 for the playoff. Like, and that's in a place that's like middle. Well, I consider it middle of nowhere, Colorado, but pretty far away from like Denver, all that kind of stuff. And there was still a huge turnout when we got there and parked, there was a ton of cars. So I think that's one of the things I'm super stoked to see TPC Colorado grow and get and be such a great championship golf course is to actually get some some players and some tournaments out here and some eyes on it. And then people realize how great Colorado golf is. It's not, you know, it's not every tournament's in California or there's Florida or Texas or stuff like that. Like Colorado's got great golf. It's just not all like the courses we play in or think are great. They're not all conducive to PGA tour players because of the altitude and the yardages. Hence a 773 yard par five.
0: Totally agree. And I think, you know, while I think Colorado golf gets a knock when it comes to like, like the latest me of it, you know, from a professional golf standpoint, because of the altitude, um, you know, I think it shows this is a case in point that it's possible, you know, if, if you can kind of expand upon a golf course or even just keep it at its usual length and just make it play really tough with really fast and firm greens and very, very t- tall rough. I mean, it, it can still, it can still play as a great test, you know, and uh, if, if nothing else, even if nothing else, then I, I hope that TPC Colorado and the Corn Ferry Tour can at least bring that exposure to Colorado golf because there are so many incredible tracks. Um, whether they be old or newly renovated, like the new city park. I mean, that place is incredible. And I mean, to, to have even a semi-pro event there where it's right in the heart of downtown, things like that would just be such a cool piece of, of, of Denver golf for the community to kind of bring light to the awesome tracks that, that are open right now. So like I said, if, if nothing else, just bringing exposure to the golf scene in Colorado and what it's got to offer. Uh, I think that's a huge, a huge win for, uh, for Colorado golf as it relates to, to what TPC Colorado can bring.
1: So I, I'm curious because we talk all the time about length, and that's really what prohibits Colorado from uh, hosting big events like this. There's certain most golf courses just simply cannot get long enough for guys out on tour. Um, but I almost think it's gone to the not to the extreme, but I mean, for example, the the thirteenth out there, we watch guys from seven twenty-five. So they had not moved up that 50 yards. They were still hitting driver three wood laying up to like 150. And so yeah. that's a long, that's a long asshole flat out. Um, did you, So did you hear the guys like, do you think any of the, the players think that they've gone too far with the distance out of TPC Colorado or like literally and metaphorically too far? Uh, because I, it almost feels like they're, they might be trying to not necessarily call color, TPC Colorado, but just the, the idea of Colorado golf that oh my god if you're not playing from 8,000 yards it's going to be a pitching putt so I don't know did you hear anything like that throughout the week
0: not necessarily I think I think when they come to Colorado I mean this is the third year of the events I think they kind of know that this is just going to be a monster of a course they're going to have to tackle um you know we we tried to make it as tough as we could last we had five inch rough um, no rain so it was playing super fast super firm rain greens were 13 borderline 14 and we had three sixty-threes in the final day so i mean we, we almost so couldn't sad. make it harder for him you know so i mean it's, <laughs> it's tough you know i mean you know i think um i'm looking to hear the tag ratings the 46 year old winner uh at the driving distance was 355 you know so i mean we have other guys that we had i think 28 drives over 400 yards this week so you know i think they can combat the distance what i think um I think on a bigger scale, even outside Colorado golf, you know, you hear the U S open, how the USGA kind of just flexes their muscles when getting ready for U S open courses by making it longer or making it just unplayable that sometimes I don't think that's exactly the way to, 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 you know, to make a golf course tougher. I think, you know, length is one way to do it, but, you know, making rough, haul, rough taller and, and hazards more penal and, and greens faster. That's just as much of a test that puts an emphasis on ball striking and, and placement around the golf course than, than distance does. You know, it's, all, it's obviously going to be tougher with a five iron in your hand. Uh, but, you know, when greens are rolling 14-15 and you can bounce them off the hood of a VW, then usually they're going to be playing pretty tough regardless of what the distance is.
2: Yeah, so take us, um, actually, before we get into too much of how you guys set up TPC Colorado and what that looks like as a professional of the golf course, seeing uh, a tour event, take us back to, because me and you had very different um, routes to get to where we are now from uh, college I, I definitely kind of like stayed at the more, you know, closer to home route, wanted to live at home, uh, worked at the same club and that I'm now still working at uh, uh, Mitchell and I still kind of run essentially, which is a scary thought, but uh, take us through like what, where you did your internships. Cause you, like you said, you've been in the TPC network and what that kind of looks like at each different place that you went to.
0: The internship was just kind of like a, a small six week one. That was at Forest Highlands in Flagstaff, Arizona. So I think there are 36 12 super private, um, you know, 7,000 feet. I think they're number three and number five in the state of Arizona in terms of uh, their ranking within that state. So they've hosted U.S. amateurs. I think they had the U.S. junior and there a couple couple years ago. So uh, not a a long golf course, but uh, a championship golf course in the sense that they've got a lot of USGA events there. Uh, Second one, I stayed in uh colorado valley country club just down the street from colorado golf club in centennial in parker area that was really cool older one of the older country clubs in the state uh, worked under barry millstead who's was a, like a longtime president of the section so cool to work with him and then my tbc journey started with my third internship uh in 2015 at TPC sawgrass so i uh, went over on the east coast jacksonville for about a year year and a half uh worked uh with some other classmates like Sam Beagle that uh, you and I know from from PGM, and obviously host of the Players Championship on the cha- on the Stadium Course. They have a second eighteen there, the Dives Valley Course, which at the time held the Web.com Tour Championship. So they kind of did two uh, two in a year, um, which was great experience. My kind of first introduction to. Um, the TPC culture and, and, you know, they held championship golf. It seems like every, every other week they had a big tournament coming, whether it be NCAAs or Tim Tebow's foundation event or PJ two or whatever it was. So that was, that was a pretty crazy experience just to kind of see, what is known as kind of one of the bigger factories in golf, you know, they have a, they're kind of a resort daily fee and, and, and private all in one. So, and obviously home of the PGA tour. So they have all that right across the street. And at the time, Tim Fincham would just kind of walk into the golf shop and go hit balls if he wanted to. And uh, slugger white head of the rule, head of rules of PGA tour, you know, if you're a PGA tour employee, you get kind of an automatic membership to TPC Sawgrass. So um, from the golf perspective, in terms of who you could see, uh never put it past anybody kind of walking through the door so um pretty cool pretty cool experience there that was about a month or a year year and a half two players championships worked and then went to tpc sugarloaf up north just outside atlanta georgia uh and that's a really cool golf scene there you know good old boys south you know southeast country uh with with kind of some really old historic golf um tpc sugarloaf hosted the bell south classic back in the 90s and early 2000s I think tiger won there phil won twice that was a pj tour event and then they Stopped holding that for a couple of years and then picked up the Mitsubishi Electric Classic on the Champions Tour. So they have a Champions Tour event there, usually the week after the Masters. So kind of cool. You know, usually we get some of the bigger names just because it's a two hour drive from Augusta. And so you know, we get some bigger names there and it was pretty easy for them to knock out two events in in uh, in just a couple of weeks. And obviously Champions Tour is pretty sweet because, you know, three day events, no fourth. Day, no cut, everybody's getting paid. They can kind of just live the, the retired life and, and make a paycheck regardless. If if about four, four and a half years and then uh moved to TPC Colorado winter of last year. Uh, and this is my this was my second uh, TPC Colorado championship on the Corn Ferry. So kind of had a sweet taste of PGA Tour, Champions Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. And um it's it's really been cool to kind of see how they're all run differently, yet the same and kind of see the PGA tours touch on all the events. So um, you know, usually for uh, like a t- like a non TPC property. If the tour comes in and runs an event, sometimes they won't really tell you to ship out for the week, but you know they have a big crew that comes in to kind of help run the event from beginning to end, and then they they leave and you're kind of back to normal business. But as a TPC employee, most of the time, you're an employee of the PGA tour. Uh, so they really keep you around, they really keep you involved and and you've got a really heavy hand in in preparing before, during, and after for, um, you know, what is the pinnacle event of, of that club's season wherever you end up being? So, been a really cool experience. I think this was my 10th tour event that I've been able to help out with when I was in Georgia. I did a couple tour championships at Eastlake uh, as well. So, um, been, been pretty sweet to kind of see how they're all run and, and uh, been a part of those, those cool journeys.
1: That is so cool, man. And honestly, I was going to ask that question because you mentioned um, how, since you're in the TPC network, you kind of are included in. That event, like as opposed to just to the the tour coming in there and telling you to ship out. So, like, what what entails um, running a tour event like that, like uh, especially from the pro shops end of things? Um, and like you said, it is different with the TPC. But what were you guys involved in? What could you help out the tour with in preparation for
0: that event? Sure. So you know, it really gets down to like the minutia of everything that not a lot of people really even think about. You know, we got to prepare like the locker rooms. Um, you know, usually a couple weeks in advance because people will show up from advance week. In the case of the TPC event here in Colorado, they had an off week on the corn ferry two or the week prior, so uh, it was like Maine was the week before that, and then a week and a week off, and then our event. So people were showing up seven, ten days early because they had nothing to do the week prior. Um, so we kind of had to get ready for them a little a little earlier than usual. Uh, You know, but because we have a membership, they've got lockers too. So we kind of had to say, you got to be out of your lockers by a certain date and then take them over. You know, we're engraving new locker plates. We're kind of making sure everything's sanitized with this COVID world that we're in now. And, um, you know, kind of making it as special for them as they can, you know, the the idea behind the TPC network is that, you know, we're made the tournament players club are made with the tournament professional or the touring professional in mind. So any, any PGA tour recognized member, of, you know, Mackenzie, Latin America, China, PGA Tour, Champions Tour, whatever, they're all members of any TPC property. So we got to treat them just like they were Mr. and Mrs. Smith eating in the dining room on a Tuesday morning, you know. So um, that comes with like a little extra special touch in terms of how we prepare for their visit. Uh, you know, you got the tour trailers, you got rules, you got Titleist, you got the physio, you got all that kind of stuff rolling in two weeks ahead of time. You got to make sure you're blocking off certain pieces of the parking lot or, um, you know, the big thing the golf shop staff did was run the pro-am. So you know, you had practice rounds Monday, Tuesday, the big pro-am is Wednesday, and then obviously the tournament starts Thursday, so, uh, you know, if, if any if any of the listeners have played in the usual, you know, maybe the Monday fundraising kind of tournaments where it's benefiting your local high school, whatever, I mean, that's kind of how we ran this event, so you had to get the pairings beforehand, had to get the handicaps, had to, you know, make sure the volunteers, they had 700 volunteers for this event, so uh, making sure that they're all on the same page with um, making sure the practice facility is ready and uh just really honestly just a ton of stuff you know making the signage for the registration making sure the the credit card kiosks were working so the pros could pay their entry fees you know that's stuff people don't even think about you know they got to pay to play sometimes and uh there was a registration line for the tour pros and the caddies the week of you got covid testing and um you know just a, a bunch of different things leading up to the event. you know once the tournament was here obviously we had the golf shop open selling some merchandise a couple of the other you know myself and the head professional and tournament director were kind of running around um, you know making sure the tour professionals have what they need making sure the the catering department's on time for the caddy food I mean it could just be as little as you know making sure that there's um, you know enough shoe shining equipment for the guys in the morning so that they're taken care of you know it's just the little stuff that kind of makes the uh, the business go day by day that you kind of just got to make sure everything's stocked up ahead of time
1: that gave me a headache just listening to all that. Honestly, again, it gave me third, third person anxiety. Like just thinking about it. But dude, that is so
0: freaking cool, man. I, I love that. No, it's cool. You know, it's 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 you know, obviously, it's you got hundreds of people that are kind of working on it, and people that you know, Drew Blast was the tournament director for the event, and he's done he's done this many times, so he's got his big checklist, and um, you know. I think with that many volunteers there was never a job that wasn't covered by somebody so you know it's it's cool to kind of be a part of and and to you know to help the tour professionals and i remember back in back at sawgrass my first job uh specifically was to go run a towel out to jordan speed from the fourth hole and i i, I swear i was so stoked i could not tell you how excited i was to go run a towel out to jordan speed and, you know, and, and then, you know, his caddy gave me a fist bump and it was just the coolest thing ever. I was on cloud nine. And so, you know, it's just cool to kind of be able to interact with the players in that sense. And being, you know, on, on, on the corn ferry tour scene now, it's cool to kind of see up and coming guys. You know, Wills Zalatoris was the winner last year in our event and I think he was hundreds, in, you know, 400, 500 in the world or something at like that point. Now he's 30th and fighting for a spot in the Ryder Cup, you know, so um, he's been one of the quickest guys to rise to, to, to fandom there. And um, it the tour truly is kind of the rising stars tour and you know it's kind of cool to see some names that you may see on a bigger stage in the next couple years
2: yeah will zalatoris is actually my draft kit one of my DraftKings picks of the week this week for the open so i'm going to use this minute to tell you guys about DraftKings sportsbook not only my favorite sportsbook app but america's top rated sportsbook app and the offer they're giving you this week in basketball with the chance to win $150 in site credits off of a $1 bet. That is right, $150 off of a $1 bet. So the NBA Finals is headed back to Phoenix for game five. All you have to do is log into that DraftKings Sportsbook app, head over, use the code DNVR, find this bonus, and if you pick the right basketball team to win game five of the NBA Finals, you're gonna collect $150 in site credits and your account can balloon from there head over to the app store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use that promo code DNVR and you will get the chance to win $150 off a $1 bet. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only and restrictions do apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details and if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. All right, back to our interview with Ryan Shively. And it I think the thing nice. that's cool is is you see like Mitchell pays a little more attention to all the tours than I do. And and I definitely saw some names that I knew, but it's a bunch of guys that like, um, Oh, what was it? Ben Wu, I think was, yeah. Like you just know that dude's going to be on tour and (laughs) you just looking at him, just looking at the way he swings it. You're like, okay, but you don't know him yet. But then now, like in two years, I'll go, I'll think back to like going to the event on Sunday and be like, Oh, that guy, that guy's now on tour. That guy's now, you know, winning tournaments and stuff like that. Like it's, those guys are good, man. It's, it's nuts how good they are.
0: When it's cool to see, I mean, the graduation from, you know, the, the names you don't realize have been on the corn Ferry tour, Justin Thomas, John Daly, Jason day, um, you know, Hideki Matsuyama all these guys at one point were on the corn fairy tour and worked their way up. And the format of how they do that has changed with Q school and, and different events. And obviously COVID has changed some of that, but uh, you know, it's, it's been really cool to kind of see, you know, that this is really, like I said, the rising stars tour, I think wills, our hasn't played in a corn fairy tour event in like eight months or something. He's played in a third of what everybody else has. And he's still fifth on the fifth or sixth on the points list. So, you know, he's, he's, he kind of set himself up for success and he doesn't even have to touch the corn fairy tour again. I mean, you know, he may never go down there. Uh, but it was, it was that tour that really helped him kind of excel and, and kind of get propelled into a great spot for the rest of his career. That's so cool, dude. I, so I got to ask you what, what is the general consensus amongst the
1: players about the tour stop up in call like out here in Colorado. Like, do you think, and kind of tying that into the next question, how long um, is the contract through for this event? And what, what is the future of this event hold? Is this going to become a mainstay on the, the ferry tour? Or um, is it just a, a few years, kind of a test run type thing?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I've heard nothing but great feedback from tour professionals. I think they love the area. I think if they weren't coming to Colorado for uh, for a tour event, they'd be coming here for a vacation anyway. They love the area. They love the climate. They love how dry it is. The fact that they can escape the humidity for a while is is just an absolute gift to them. I was talking to uh, I think Jamie Lovemark, and he was saying that uh, you know the two weeks before in Maine it was 85 degrees, but 85 percent humidity. And I think Thursday, the round one clocked in at like 102 degrees, but it was, you know, the usual Colorado, 25, 22% humidity or something like that. And he was like, oh, I would take 102 any day up here. Uh, so I think they really enjoy the climate. Um, you know, I think people think that they think it's cool to hit their ball super far. I don't, I think that's almost more of a nuisance to them. You know, they got to kind of redial their yardages in for the week. Um, but, but, uh. You know, I think they love the area. I, I, I heard nothing but great things about the course. You know, it's a brand new facility, but it's full of old, you know, older TPC seasoned vets. So they, they run it like it's it's been here before. Um, and in terms of the events being here, yeah, I think we have at least three years left on our contract with the Corn Ferry Tour. We're trying to lock in a title sponsor, which would kind of be a great deal for us, hopefully get us on on TV, like a golf channel stream uh, for the years to come. I think we were, you know, we had PJ Tour live coverage Saturday and Sunday of this last week, which was super cool. Um, we kind of had an extra TV media presence there, which we had not had in years past. But uh, you know, if we can lock in a title sponsor between now and next year, that's going to be huge for us in terms of you know the, the longevity of the of the event, whether it be on Corn Ferry Tour or maybe a, another tour above. Um, you know, that's kind of the ultimate goal is to kind of get back, get Colorado itself, not just TBC, but um, get Colorado back on the scene for the pga tour so
1: absolutely man that's awesome um go ahead spencer i'm sorry i
2: I was just gonna say kind of piggybacking off of like you guys having a hand in this tournament uh how much do you guys get to talk about or even if it's nothing get to decide like where the guys play from, like, tees-wise, we noticed a few tees were moved up. Where the flags are. Does your maintenance crew get any, like, are they like, hey, should we should put a flag here? Do they get any input, or is it just straight up the big the guys that are running the tournament?
0: Yeah, good question. I think, I, I, you know, our, our superintendent, uh, Mike Cooper, he's been around the TPC scene for a long time. He's run many a tour event, and so, you know, the tour itself, the powers that be for the golf course maintenance, the, the rules side, they're going to lean on him. To kind of you know give them the course knowledge as to what what pins play hardest what tees can be moved up or back you know three if you remember is a borderline drivable par four over some water um you know but i think they moved it up one or two days and they were literally taking three irons or, or five woods there to kind of really give them a shot at a two maybe you know for sure a three so um i, I think they lean on the superintendent for a couple questions but you know pj tour rules were here at least 10 days in advance. So they had a pretty good understanding of the golf course and um, you know, what tees to, to set and where the pins were going to be for, for all the days and, you know, being our third event or third year uh, you know, they could fall back on some previous, some previous results. Uh, I know art shop who's the golf course architect uh, had, had a hand in some of that input for the first two years, not exactly sure how involved he was this time. Uh, but yeah, they, they rely on the local sources for sure. You know, they obviously have the final say, but, you know they've got it down in, in terms of you know knowing knowing kind of where to put the pins to, to give them the biggest test on certain days and then you know on moving day they might give them a, something to chew on a little bit give them some some more accessible pins where they could they could be a little more aggressive and try to skyrocket up the leaderboard as they try to make the cut
1: so I was going to kind of ask something similar to that but do you, oh geez I just lost my train of thought oh I'm sorry okay so did, does a a gol- does the tour or does the golf course have any sort of intention of what they want the tournament scoring to look like beforehand? Like, you know, they're like, we want it to, to they, we want them to shoot 27, 28 under, or we, we want, we want it to be 10, 12 under, you know, we, do they think about that, like the entire tournament beforehand and how they want it to look or do they just set it up a certain way and however the scoring ends up, it kind of does.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think they have a certain score in mind, but I, I certainly think they want to give them a good test. You know, I, I think, I think there's a kind of a problem, uh, like, they don't have to be under the golf term. It's almost been identical the first three years we had it. The cut has been right around even. I know this last year or this most recent, whatever, a week ago, it was right at one under uh, through, two hole, through two rounds. And then the winning score was 15 under. Uh, for the first two rounds or for the first two years and really close to that with a couple strokes of that, maybe just one stroke uh, this year as well. So while they don't have kind of a formula or a number they're going for, they, they kind of take some pride in it being from a relation to PAR perspective, one of the tougher tests on tour. Uh, now, whether that's a combination of adjusting for the altitude and being so close to the front, to the, to the mountains with nothing to block the wind and it ripping through, I think we had two different microbursts that had over 80 mile an hour winds at night. Um, so, you know, could be that, you know. I think the, the the rough height, the the green speeds, all of that put together, um, puts to get puts forth a really good test for uh, for these guys. Where usually it's high high to mid twenties wins golf tournaments uh, on this tour. It's just really survival of the fittest. And while that was the same, you know, the case here at TPC Colorado in terms of survival of the fittest, the scores were a lot lower than they than they usually would be uh, on an average. Tournament, i guess throughout the rest of
2: the season another question kind of talking about the golf course and the setup you said so there's a specific the rough we took a picture of a white claw in the rough um, when we were out there just to kind of give it people some uh, <laughs> something to look at and and figure out how deep it is so do they or something they, for um, me to drink
1: but something for yeah, other yeah. people to look at
2: exactly but they have like <laughs> a do they do you guys how so how different does it play and how how much harder do you think it is for like the regular, let's say good player, but like a five handicap or a four handicap, what do you think? You know, it's, there's no perfect math on this, but like, uh, the stroke difference of them playing the same tees, uh, you know, let's say your club champion, maybe who is not a, if it's not a professional or Mm -hmm. a former professional, just a regular am that shoots normally even par at most courses, like what, how much different do you think the course played? And what, like you said with the rough, what are the specific numbers on some stuff that That you guys guys have have. to get the course? Like,
0: yeah. So I think the better the golfer, the more they can handle the conditions because obviously I think driving accuracy is a huge premium on this course. Um, You know, there's not a lot of blind shots. There's not even a lot of elevation, but you've got to keep it in the short stuff. Uh, you know, I think, for example, I think usually uh, the other 51 weeks out of the year, we're going to keep the rough around two and a half inches. We pumped it probably closer to four and a half or five during tournament week. Uh, you know, the greens rolled closer to 10 or 11, the other 51 weeks of the year. This week, it was probably started at around 12 and 13, maybe even edged a little over 13 just because of how dry and windy it was uh, for the rest of the week. You know, what we didn't really anticipate, I think, was how wet of a spring we've had. So while the rough was super long it was very thick as well extremely thick so you know, leading up to the event, we had members coming in off the course saying, you know, they, they had a ball that landed in the fairway and rolled into the rough, couldn't even find their ball. So, you know, it just seemed like as we got closer to the event, the rough was the more penal thing. Um, you know, the greens are always usually pretty firm here. Like I said, because they're so young, they're going to stay firm until they soften up underneath the surface a little bit. Um, but we had a soft enough or a, a wet enough spring where it kept those greens relatively soft. And we didn't really up those speeds until probably Monday of tournament week. So, Score-wise, I think, you know, I think a, a five handicap who shoots, I mean, if they shoot around par, I'd say maybe they would shoot 76, 77. It might, be, it might play five strokes harder, but the person who shoots 90 would not break 100 on that golf course. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, such a premium on driving accuracy and keeping your ball in play. If you even went two feet off the, off the fairway, we heard reports of people just literally having to go and retee if they were playing a competitive round because sometimes they would just not be able to find their ball.
1: That's that's insane, dude. Um, so I've, I'm going in a little bit of a different direction here. But for anybody who doesn't know, and I don't even think Spencer, or I 100% know, what is the what is the TPC network involve with all these different courses? And how do courses individually get to choose if they're private, public play, you know, semi private, things like that? Is that a is that a course by course basis? Or is there a
0: a general guideline that the TPC network likes to follow with its courses. Sure. So I think there's there's just over 30 TPC properties in the country. I think 32, 33, uh, and they're starting to expand outside the country. I think in uh, Puerto Rico there might be one coming up in Canada. I'm not exactly sure where, but um, you know, there's not it's not a requirement that, that they all host tour events, but it just so happens that a good portion of them do. You know, within those 30 odd uh, courses, there are owned and operated properties which means that the PGA Tour owns them uh, fully. If you work at an owner-operated property, that's your your Scottsdale's, your Sugarloaf's, your Sawgrass,es uh, San Antonio's, things like that. Uh, then you're an employee of the PGA Tour. Your paychecks come from PGA Tour. You're very involved with uh, you know, the official marketing partners, Charles Schwab or... Um, you know, Anheuser-Busch, whatever it is the PGA Tour is is partnering up with, then you're in turn partnering up with them as well. Uh, The the other non-owned and operated properties are just licensed. So they can kind of pay, you know, kind of pay their way to kind of represent the TPC flag next to their name. They're still held to the standard of TPC properties that comes from the PGA Tour, uh, but not quite so involved, uh, like I said, with owned and operated properties. Obviously, Colorado is a licensed property, and we're still able to host a tour event, so there's really no discrimination there. Uh, You know, in terms of of whether they're private, uh, public, kind of a mixture, resort, that's not really up to the property it's, I mean, I guess it's up to the tour in general, if it's going to be an owned and operated property, then it's going to be whatever the tour kind of had intended for it, given the region, given the market, given what they think is best for the TPC network and golf as a whole in that community. Um, you know, but if it's a licensed property, you know, we've got a conglomerate of owners here uh, and they did what was best for the club. And and they thought that was going to be a semi-private mixture. So, uh, you know, if it, 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 it kind of in general if you're a licensed property you have a little more leeway to make certain decisions about the club as to how you want it um you know if it's an owner operated usually that direction comes straight from the pga tour
2: yeah so talking about your course now tpc colorado the number 16 is a freaking unbelievable hole and i was just like sitting at it like i was like so pumped when they had the playoff there twice i mean that was electric do you guys do like member events or anything just regarding that hole like that's just the most perfect view right there right there next to the clubhouse the water's behind it like do you guys do any fun things with that hole for member events
0: totally yeah it's it's called center stage for a reason you know it's it's right in front of everything that our center stage restaurant backs right up to it so Uh, you know, if you do it and end up getting out to play Spence, I would not do it, uh, so that you end up there around four or five, because anybody that's drunk at the bar will be heckling you. And it'll be a pretty, (laughs) it'll be a pretty tough atmosphere. Even if they don't know you, if they see somebody on the tee box, they're going to throw some ice cubes at you and it'll, it'll be a really cool time. But, um, yeah, I mean, member guests, that's where all of our shootouts finish. You know, I think we've got a glow golf, uh, event planned for either this year or next year. So we're going to light that puppy up um you know it's it's the pinnacle hole right i mean we make sure that everything including the corn fairy tour event ends on that hole uh it's just such a picturesque look coming back towards the lake you know anybody that's in the clubhouse has a perfect view down the hill uh you know it's on paper it's what only 100 100- 50 yards or so from the tips but when you get that 30 mile an hour wind coming off the mountains you could play two two clubs longer you might you know if it's coming from the north you'll have to aim over 15 green and let it kind of bring it back so um for as if if, if for as shallow of a green as that is uh, it, it's certainly a test, even though it might just be a little flip wedge for some golfers.
1: Yeah, distance control is definitely a premium on that hole. I mean, you go long your hose, you short, you go short, you could get into that collection area, and then you come up even shorter. Or the bunker's really deep, and with the green being a little raised above those bunkers, you, you're going to have a real tough time making it up and down from there. Um, just such a good quality golf hole. And I've always been a, a big proponent of short par threes, not like – simple short par threes but just a good quality short par three like not every part which is kind of ironic because the par three before that is the exact opposite it's still a good par three but it plays over 270 from the tips um i I hit three wood there and i probably landed 10 yards short of pin high um in the front right bunker definitely made four i don't Mm -hmm. even remember exactly what i made but i know i didn't make par um but so I wanted to ask you, what is your personal
0: favorite hole out there at TPC Colorado and why? Yeah, I really, uh, it's one of the few holes that actually lines water, that big reservoir out there on the west side of the property. Uh, now that they've allowed kind of some wake making boats, it's its kind of a really cool idea. It's, it's a really cool scene. And I would not be surprised. Number eight is a par three that kind of goes out into the water as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe had like a, uh, like, a, like a Reno Tahoe kind of open look kind of feel with the boats kind of lining that green. I think that'd be a really cool feel for the future if, if they kind of took that seriously. Uh, but number tens a borderline drivable par four goes along the water. And I think that's really cool. If you can kind of get a good drive on it, you could, you could kind of jeopardy, you could put yourself in jeopardy to go in the water, or you could make a good run at having an eagle putter chip. I'd say I think 16. I honestly think 16 is just one of the coolest holes in Colorado golf, um, with the scenery and it's just totally unobstructed view of the Front Range and uh, you know a really full reservoir right behind it. Uh, the beautiful clubhouse right, right, you know, in, in the background behind the tee box. Uh, it's it's an underrated hole on the course because of its look on a scorecard. It's it's a pretty you know it's a pretty short hole as you said, um, underappreciated. But I think it it it, it rears its teeth and when it when you're kind of exposed to the conditions that is links golf and especially out here at, at elevation and where, there, where there's nothing in, I think there's like five trees on the entire golf course. So nothing really to block the wind. You're pretty exposed out there. It, it can be a pretty good test.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I have to make a quick comment. Uh, number eight has to be one of the narrowest greens I've ever seen. I got up there. I was like, is this, it's like a fucking pin needle <laughs> strip right in, strung right in between those groups of trees. And I actually, I mean, it doesn't play super long. I think I hit, Seven iron there, and I I hit it well. I hit it like ten feet, but I was playing with a few of my buddies who were not quite as good a quality, and and they really struggled with it because the green has great undulation. Uh, It's a great, but the the crazy thing is, it's one of the tougher holes out there, and it doesn't have a single bunker on it. You know, it's it's pretty. There's water behind the green, but other than that, it's just trees and the green, Um, and it's it is one of the tougher holes out there. So I think. That's kind of a, a good uh, indicator of what kind of challenge it poses, just the green itself and the the surrounding trees. But yeah, I I can imagine it would be tough to pick your favorite hole. There's so many good ones out there, man. I I really do enjoy that track all the way around. It's just, it's a sweet place.
0: Thank you. As as those as the water levels rise at that reservoir it'll come right up to the green where there's really not even there's barely any rough too you know it's kind of out there in a peninsula and, and if you miss it two yards short or two yards right of the green it'll just kick off into the water now in the winter time you may have to mess with some muddy tree mess you might be able to hit it but yeah there's it, it's cool how and I think you said it there too there's another hole 11 uh that doesn't have a single bunker on it and during our member events it's probably one of the top three toughest holes on the golf course you know so it doesn't you know it doesn't take a lot to to make a hole tough and there are different ways you can make holes tough uh but you know i think the complicated green complexes where very undulating greens and, and you know kind of tough to tell where the fairway ends and the green begins that's true links golf right where you can putt from 40 yards off if you needed to uh you know there's there's a couple of different ways to make holes tough and the golf course architect used all of them on this track here absolutely well,
2: yeah, that's actually what was my next question is talking about, I, and I haven't been to a lot of tour courses or p- that paid that close of attention to be honest with you, but I noticed like you guys mow around the greens and like the fairway short of the greens and around it is like very close to the green. Like it almost looks like the green for a second. You like think the green's huge. Is that an everyday thing or is that just for the, the tournament?
0: No, we'll keep that year round. And I think that's, that's kind of a look that they liked to promote kind of the link style layout is, is having it so closely shaven near the greens where you can take the texas wedge from the 40 yards out or you know you can try the flop shot but it's going to be really really tight you better kind of nip it just right um you know it's i think that's that's kind of an homage to the character of the golf course uh and and kind of giving it as as much of a link style feel as as you can um you know they 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 keep you know kind of uh the, the kentucky blue um grass with the fairways and and tees and rough uh but more of uh, more of kind of a bent grass with the approaches and the greens. So you can kind of see, kind of distinguish kind of where it changes color. Uh, and they, they're allowed to cut that, they're, they're able to cut that bent down to be pretty, pretty tight. So it's, it's pretty penal there. And If you try to try to be, be the hero and hit the flop shot with the full swing, it might work, or you might, you know, hit it in the forehead 40 yards long, you know. So sometimes it's better to, to take your medicine, play the lynx golf that it asks you to play and just kind of bump it up there.
2: Yeah, because I noticed on 13, we were walking to it from the back and I was like, Mitchell, this green looks huge because I could kind of see that lighter part. And it's like super light too. That's what's cool. It's like super light going up to the green. You can definitely tell it's not fairway, but it, it's also not green. And I was like, this green's huge, dude. This is, you know, for an ease. And right. he's like, no, this is actually one of the smaller greens on the golf course. And then I got up to it and I was like, ah, right. okay, this makes a lot of sense.
0: And lately they've started to really cut it tight around the green side bunkers too so that it really just, there's nothing stopping it from kind of rolling in. If you don't hit, if you don't hit the center of the green, if you don't hit your spot exactly where you want with how firm it can play out here, uh, it will not stop rolling. And there's nothing stopping it from rolling into one of those really steep stack side bunkers, uh, that stack side. Yeah. I,
1: I would honestly say for a better player, um, I think I would prefer a bunker shot over one of those shots off those crazy tight lies. Uh, it's just, A little easier to calculate, a little easier to control than um, just having to absolutely nip it so pure in order. But there's no also on the other side of that coin, there's no better feeling than having a stupid tight lie like that and hitting it perfect. And, you know, it has so much action on it. But if I had to take 10 shots from one spot and I had to pick one, it would definitely be the bunker. So, yeah, that's a that's that definitely poses a real challenge out there also.
2: All right, Ryan. So we really appreciate your time, dude. But before we go, I got to ask you, we got to do, we kind of do like this little bit on this podcast, which we haven't really done in a while. But when, especially when we talk to other pros, um, we have like a TikTok now and it's like blown up, like kind of unintentionally, like we wanted it to blow up, but it's, it's, we basically just reenact dumb shit that happens at the golf course. And you know, you working at a course with members, it's a little different because they kind of know their way around. So you don't get those dumb questions. I'm sure maybe you do at the beginning. Um, but like the most, we, as maybe, golf pros, maybe we,
1: that was an assumption you just
0: made Spencer. No, I, yeah. judging <laughs> by his face so quickly there, you'd be surprised,
2: <laughs> but all right. So you got to give us like a, don't be that golfer, basically like something that people do. And you can give us a couple. Cause I know every golf pro has like those things that get on their nerves. I have many of them. So give us a couple things that like members do, and you don't have to call any names out obviously. <laughs> um, but just give us a few things that just drive sure, sure. you nuts when you're in the shop.
0: Yeah, I think the one that I always go back to, and I mean, as golf pros, you guys would totally get it, um, especially at a course that has people that live on the course, uh, people calling, We, you know, somebody would call from the third fairway living on the course and ask if it's raining. Um, and. Check, checking out the weather you know hey what's the forecast look like and you know we're using the same weather channel forecast that you have or you know they literally live on the third hole uh, we would just we'd like to ask them to turn around and look out their back window um, but you know obviously we we give our best forecast being the Doppler Ryan that I am and um, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll give them the best the best answer that we can but sometimes it seems it'd be a little easier if they just you know flipped a, a 180 and looked out their back window
2: Oh yeah. yeah. The, the amount of technology they think we have is just got, I don't, I don't get it. I'll never yeah. understand it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost feel like some people just prefer to have their hand held. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't want to put out any effort. They want you to do everything for them. It's like, like can you not, we actually, one of the funniest things I've ever fucking seen was in and he goes, what's the weather going to do like here in the next 30 minutes and she looks out and she goes, you're looking at it. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, and Spencer and I were sitting in the back and we had to close the door because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> and then, and then she goes, uh, the dude goes, well, is it going to rain? And she goes, it might snow. Like oh my God. just super sarcastically. Oh my God. He didn't, I just, everybody wishes they could react like that. But the fact she actually did and you know, us being at a, a public golf course, we get away with a little bit more than that. We're not going to, Right. get reamed by our, our members or whatever but oh my Good god one of it. the funniest things yeah i was like what a legend i think
0: uh yeah i think i think uh i think any pgm or pga certification should come with a minor in uh, um in, in in weather i mean it's just it, it, <laughs> meteor at our fingertips because whether they got it or not they're going to come asking oh yeah that's hundred
1: percent
2: dude Well, Ryan, we appreciate you, man. Uh, I know you got a men's league to run tonight. I'm uh, currently running women's league, just hanging out in the office. Looks like you got a nice office there. So they got you set up. That's, that's awesome, man. Appreciate your time. And uh, thank you, dude. Thanks for letting us on a little insight of what it's like to run a, run an event because uh, at the Valley of fun here where we work, that's the nickname we gave it. I don't think any tour events are coming in hot (laughs) for anytime Uh, soon. So
0: all good hey appreciate you guys having me i really appreciate kind of what you guys are doing for the colorado golf scene you're putting a lot of great exposure out there and um you know the content that you guys have been putting out it's been awesome and great to great to know you guys for, for a good a good time and, and uh, the, absolutely we'll you know, have to
1: get out on the golf course together would love to let's do it absolutely man sounds great
2: Really appreciate Ryan jumping on and talking golf with us because golf is what we do. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Big Drive Spence, Mitchell at Big Drive Mitch. Appreciate you guys all for tuning in. We'll talk to you live this Sunday from the Open Championship, giving you guys our full reaction. So make sure to check us out. Peace.